Now those were just a few short clips from a much longer video. Those much longer videos will be on our website later this week and you'll hear both of them share their stories in great detail of, uh, of healing and forgiveness and what God has done through the years. And I wanna encourage you to go and watch those and be blessed by those. And this is a issue that impacts our church more than what you realize and, and God is bringing healing and forgiveness in in. in all kinds of things. Um, so be praying about that. Maybe that's something that the Lord would want you to be a part of. Well, we've reached the sixth and final week of our question series. And then you heard me right. This is it. This is the end of the road for our question series. Um, and, I'm, and I'm really looking forward to unpacking this very last one with you today. Uh, but first, let me just say this. I have thoroughly enjoyed this series. Um, it came with some unique challenges. That's my way of saying it was hard, okay? It was difficult, but I, I've grown from it, and I hope that you have, have grown as well through this process. I also want to say that even though we've reached the end of our question series today, um, this is not the end of your questions. We're not just leaving them in the dust. Um, you have given me plenty of things to think about and consider um, about uh, future sermon series. And I, I feel very confident in saying that a number of these questions that you have raised in this season that we've been in, it will find its way in future teaching. And uh, I thank you for that. It's given me great insight into what uh, you're thinking as a congregation and perhaps where things need to go. Now, the final question in our series is something that impacts every Christian. Uh, I can feel confident in saying that every Christian uh, has to confront this question eventually, or at least you're wondering about it. And if you've never confronted it, you never wondered about it, trust me, you will soon enough, okay? It will be right at your, at your doorstep. Whether you realize it or not, many of you are grappling with this final question of our series in some shape or form, simply because of what we are going through as a nation with the coronavirus, from my point of view, perhaps the single most talked about, perhaps even controversial conversation in our land today has to do with the COVID vaccine. Now, let me just tell you right up here, this sermon has nothing to do with the vaccine, okay? I'm just letting you know that. There's nothing to do. If you're maybe going, oh, I think maybe Joe's going to tell us what he thinks about it at the end of the sermon, you're not going to hear that today. The message today is about discerning God's will. And a number of you have asked about it, and I believe that this is a great way for us to bring this series to a conclusion. Um, I'd like to propose a question that I believe is, again, like the rest, summarizes all the questions that were asked about this, bring them all kind of together in this one simply phrased question that will help us get to the answer of what you're asking about. And the question is this, how do you discern God's will? How do you do that? You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder in my quieter moments if it wouldn't be better if God just speaks to us today like he did to some of those in the Old Testament. Would that just be easier? Like, I mean, take, take Moses, do you remember what was recorded there in the, in the book of Exodus chapter three, that Moses is out there watching the flocks of his father-in-law, and what does he see? Do you remember? It was a bush that had caught on fire, and, but it wasn't burning up, and Moses went over to inquire this strange sight, and out of the bush, God speaks to him. He says, Moses, I got a job for you to do. You're gonna go to Egypt, and you're gonna rescue my people. And I thought, man, would it be nice if God was that clear today? Have you ever had that thought? 
man, I, I just, if you just tell me blame the Lord, it would make a lot more sense. Or how about like, like Gideon in the book of Judges. Remember him? God had a job for him to go rescue the Israelites from the hands of the Midianites. So he said, this is what I want you to do. And Gideon's like, okay, but first, can we just verify that this is from you? He says, Lord, I'm gonna put a fleece out and if the fleece is completely soaked with water but the ground around it is, is dry in the morning, then I know that it's from you. And for whatever reason, God said, okay, I'll play this game with you. And he obliges them. And so the next morning, it was all wet, but the ground was dry. And, and, then, and then it's where we get the phrase, if you ever said, hey, I'm gonna put a fleece out and see what happens. That's just where we get this in the book of Judges. And then he's like, well, just to be sure, do you remember what he did next? He goes, can we do this one more time? Because that wasn't convincing enough. And can I put the fleece out again? And can this time, can it be dry, but the ground around it be completely wet? And, and God's like, okay, I'll, I'll play along. And he did that as well. And then Gideon's like, okay, now I know for sure that you're wanting me to do this, God. And I kind of go, man, wouldn't that be nice? If you're approaching a, a, a major decision in life and you're like, I, I'm just gonna go get, a, uh, a, you know, that old piece of carpet we got in the garage, I'm gonna throw it outside. And God, you let me know through what happens with it. Man, that, that would be nice. Now, I personally just, you know, I've never had an experience like that before in my life. I've never had a supernatural experience like Moses or Gideon that would communicate to me what God wanted me to do. But I do think at times it would be nice if God talked to me that way. But here's a question. Do we need a supernatural experience to know God's will? Do we need that? Do we need burning bushes and do we need wet and dry fleeces today to comprehend, understand what it is that God would have us to do and where he wants us to go? You know, a certain young man was about to graduate from college and, or excuse me, from high school and he was trying to figure out what college he was supposed to go to. He had been accepted to a, a school close to his hometown in the state of Indiana, but he had also been accepted to a very prestigious school way out in California, way out west, and he didn't know what to do. So he was like, God, what do you want me to do? And you know, it's a, it's a question that a lot of our young people are, are wrestling with. God, what's my next step in life? He was trying to figure that out. And so one day he was driving his car and he noticed this weird set of clouds way off on the horizon. And as he got a little bit closer, he noticed that one of those clouds kind of broke free of the other clouds and it kind of started to stretch out really long like this. And at the end of this uh, long cloud, he noticed that it started to form a point. And he goes, it looks like a big arrow. And he goes, that arrow is pointing west. And he's like, there it is. I'm going to California. Thank you, God. And, and he made his decision off of a cloud arrow in the sky, fully convinced and confident that God was telling him, go out to California. And who's to say God didn't do that? I mean, maybe God, that's exactly what God did. I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't question God and his ways and what he does. And I, I hate to break this to you, but, but God never calls me up and says, what's your opinion on this, Joe? He never asked my opinion. So you know what? If God wants to make a giant arrow in the, out of the clouds in the sky to point a young man to go to California, who am I to say that God wouldn't do it that way? God's God. None of us are him. He can do whatever he wants. But here's my opinion that I think far too often we desire and we look for the supernatural stuff. The burning bushes, the fleeces, the cloud arrows in the sky to determine God's will. There's something in us that desires those things. We look for those things. 
But in reality, I would want you to know God can, and I believe often does, reveal to us his will in very less extravagant ways. So let's, let's talk about this question. How do you discern God's will? This is what you guys are asking about. Now, I think before we actually unpack that question, there is a question that precedes it that we must answer first. It's not a hard question. I think most of us would be able to answer this right off the top of our heads. But maybe a preceding question would be this. Is there such a thing as God's will? And, and does he care if we even follow it? Now, I think most of us would be able to rattle off the answer like this, but let's take a minute. Let's, let's answer this one. Is there such a thing as God's will, and does he care if we even follow it? You know, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how they should pray, how they should talk to God in Matthew chapter 6, do you remember the very specific way that God told them they should pray? He says, when you pray, you should say this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus in this prayer is actually acknowledging something very significant. He's acknowledging that absolutely God has a will. And we take that word that we translate into English from the Greek, the word will, and you start to just dig in, which I often do. I'll take certain words and I'll go through all the language stuff that you gotta go through to pull out all the root meanings and the fuller meanings. You know that word will, that, that Greek word, it really speaks to this idea of God's desires, God's wishes, God's intention, God's purposes. So simply put, it's like saying, listen, God does have desires. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He most definitely has a will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, if you remember the context of Luke chapter 22, Jesus is in the garden and he asks his disciples to stay awake with him and pray with me and, and he's right about to get arrested. Judas is about to show up and betray him and remember the disciples couldn't even keep their eyes open. They were falling asleep on Jesus and Jesus is having this intense prayer time and do you, do you recall the words that Jesus said to God that night? He said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So the answer to this question, does God have a will? The, the answer is yes, but does he care if we even follow his will? I can tell you the answer to that question as well is yes. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 1 John 2, 17, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So does God have a will? Absolutely. Does he care that we follow it? You better believe it. Now here's another question. Is God the only one who has a will like that? <laughs> no. We have a will, and we often exercise our will, don't we? And you know who else has a will? Does anybody else in the Bible we know that has a very strong will? Sure, Paul tells us about him. He's telling Timothy about those people that, have, that are not walking with God and, and Paul says, this is what I hope. This is what I hope people that right now aren't walking with God end up doing. 2 Timothy 2, 26, we actually looked at this, this week, last week. He says, I hope that they come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive, what? To do his will. 
So yeah, not only does God have a will and he desires everyone to follow it, but Satan has a will. He desires everyone to follow his wishes, his desires, what he's doing. And you know that the Bible, it very clearly states to us exactly what God's will is. In fact, we don't need the supernatural to know what God desires and to know what God wants because over and over and over and over again in the Bible, it clearly states for us, this is God's will. We don't even have to wonder about it. It clearly says it. This is God's will. I'll show you. John chapter 6, verse 38. She said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall, not, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. What is God's will for each and every person? It's for everybody to turn to Jesus and that they would believe in him and have eternal life. That's pretty straightforward. That's very clear. It tells this is God's will for everybody. Well, what else is God's will? Well, Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, Paul tells the church, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we, we've got a messed up world that we live in. So Paul's challenging the church. Don't be foolish here, but be wise. And what is wisdom? It's understanding the Lord's will. So then he, he kind of parses that out for us in more detail. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What else does the Bible say is God's will? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified is another way of saying holy, that you are set apart, you're gonna be different, you're not gonna act like the rest of the world, that God has an expectation. His will is that the people in his family are not gonna look like, act like anybody else in the world. They're gonna be separate. And then he kind of explains what sanctified looks like. So it's my will for you to be sanctified, and this is what a sanctified person looks like that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but God, the very God who gives us his Holy Spirit. We'd be sanctified. What, what else does the Bible say is God's will? 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you through Jesus Christ. What else does it say is God's will? One more passage. 1 Peter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for every human desires, but rather for the will of God. 
For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now, I have just rattled off a bunch of scripture, and I want you to know all of those scriptures are in the app. You can just follow right along. If you didn't catch all those, um, you can go right back to the app, and you can find them there. And let me just say this. We have read more scripture today in the last 10 minutes than most churches read in an entire month, okay? I'm just letting you know. So you go back and, and, and read that. So let's summarize it together. What do we know is God's will from the Bible? Well, we know that it's God's will for everyone to believe in Jesus Christ. We know that it's his will for everyone to find eternal life. It's his will for us to live like the wise, to praise God, to pray, to be joyful, to give thanks to God, to be sanctified, to leave these holy lives. These are things we don't have to wonder about. It's God's known will stated in the Bible. Do you get the picture? This is what God wants. Now, on an even broader scope, The entire Bible is the inspired word of God. The entire Bible itself from Genesis to Revelation communicates what God's purposes and his will is. Even the parts of the Bible where it doesn't specifically state, like we just read, this is God's will for you. But since we know that God's word is is his word and it's inspired, that the entire Bible is an expression of God's will. So yeah, we don't have to look too hard to figure out what God's will is. But we know there's more to the question, right? We know that's not where it starts and finishes. Because what we often wonder about is, is all the other situations in our lives that we come across where it's not as obvious that it's God's will. In other words, what about all these things that we encounter in life where we can't point to a, this is the Lord's will qualifier in the Bible. I'll give a few examples. Is it God's will for me to get married or stay single? How do you discern that? Is it God's will for us to have children? Is it God's will for us to move to a new house? How do you discern that exactly? Does God want me to stay put or does God want me to move on? Am I supposed to wait or am I supposed to go? God, what is your will on this? God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to invest aggressively or conservatively? God, do you want me to go back to school? Is it time to change careers? God, if I'm gonna do it, I gotta do it now. What do you want from me, God? God, would you rather for our kids to be homeschooled, private schooled, public school, no school? Some of you have wondered lately, haven't you? God, what is your will here? Anybody dealing with this? God, is it time for mom, dad to be in a nursing home? Anybody, anybody got that right on your doorstep today? God, what career do you want me to choose for myself? God, should I quit my job? God, is it your will for me to get the vaccine? 
The list is really endless. How do you determine what God wants you to do? How do you know if it's his will or not? Big cloud arrows help, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's why we seek those things. I'm kidding. You know, there's a lot of ideas. You talk to a lot of people. They're going to give you a lot of suggestions of how to de- go about determining what God's will is for your life. Um, I, I think it would be naive for me to think that none of us wrestle with these things. We really wrestle these things down. There are some, and maybe, maybe you feel this way, I don't know, but there are some people who believe that God is interested in every single detail of our lives, even the, the, the minutia of things, the little things that uh, maybe we don't even think about. There's some that would say, no, you gotta discern what God's will is for even the, the littlest of things. I, I don't know where you draw that line between God cares about this and God doesn't really care about what you do there. You know, recently I was out running some errands and um, I kind of, I know nobody's ever experienced this but me, but um, you kind of got, got that craving for a hot fudge sundae from McDonald's. <laughs> I know none of you have ever experienced that craving before. So it was a hot day and I was actually driving right by McDonald's and so I thought, well, there's, there's the golden arches. Let's do this thing. And, and so I pulled into the drive-thru and ordered my hot fudge sundae and, and they handed me the hot fudge sundae and the, the person at the window said, would you like some chopped nuts to go on top of your sundae? I said, yes, you better believe I do. And uh, I did not stop and think about if God wanted me to put chopped peanuts on top of that hot fudge sundae. I didn't pray about that, and I did not ask or wonder if this was God's will for me to have chopped peanuts on top of that. I just, I just took them, and I, I sprinkled them on top of the hot fudge sundae, and I ate it, all of it, and I liked it. Does God personally care? That's the question I'm getting. Does God care that I put chopped peanuts on top of the hot fudge sundae at McDonald's on this hot day? I, I don't I don't know if I could honestly stand here and tell you that he cares about that. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that God cares very much about many of the decisions that we make in our lives. Very much so. I don't know if he cares about that, but I know he cares very much about a lot of things. Uh, You know, James chapter 4 verse 13 makes me think about this. James says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city um, or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I know for a fact God cares very much about the decisions we make. Influential decisions, life-altering decisions, declarations, I will do this and I will do that. And I think God cares very much about those types of decisions. I get asked all the time, as do a lot of pastors in my position, uh, people come and see me about decisions that they're trying to make in life and, and they're trying to, to discern what is God's will. And I can tell you there's not an exact formula. I believe that God reveals his will in his own way, in his own purposes, in his own time, for his own specific situations. But what I've learned from just my own personal experience wrestling down things and just working with a lot of people 
Uh, I think what makes sense the most to me in trying to determine God's will, it really kind of comes down to this right here. And I want to share it with you and I want to say it very clearly and I'm going to put it on the screen because I don't want there to be any confusion. But if you want to know God's will, what his will is in your decisions, then you better be all about his known will in the Bible. Now, I'm not trying to confuse anybody. But if you're trying to wrestle through, God, what do you want me to do? And if you were to come to me and say, Joe, what should I do? And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to have those conversations. I really am. But you're going to hear from me at some point in that conversation. Let me ask you this. As you're trying to figure out what God's will is, are you already all about his will? Are you already all about it? What you already know to be true? And the reason I ask is because I certainly believe that if we are already committed, full on committed to knowing God's will and living it out in the Bible, then we are gonna be in a position to much better receive, to tune in, to dial in more on what God's specific will is for our lives. Now we've already read scripture that reveals to us what God's known will is in the Bible. This is God's will. There, there's more. We know that it is God's will, obviously, for everyone to believe in Jesus, to pray without ceasing, to live holy lives. We know that. We also know that it's God's will to not let sin reign in your bodies. To, to not just absorb sin, live in sin, and, 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 and not do anything about it. We know it's God's will to do something about it. We know it's God's will to live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on you to live at peace. As far as you have any responsibility in something to mend broken relationships. We know that it's God's will to go about life in a very humble way. To know his word and to have fellowship with other believers. We know all these things. These are his stated will in the Bible. Bottom line, if you put, you know, put God and, and living for him above everything else, then you're gonna be in a better position to more clearly discern what God's will is. And if I could just say it blunt, isn't it just a little bit arrogant of any of us to go to God and say, God, what is your will for my life? And to expect God to answer us when we know in our hearts that we are not already following what he said his will is. Isn't it just a little bit arrogant to want God to reveal when we're not living for him to the fullest of our ability? Romans 12 unpacks this whole concept just a little bit more clearly. Romans 12.1, it just says this, Paul telling the church, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, God, all of me is all for you, and I will, I will, I will live for your purposes. I know your will, clearly stated in God's word, and to the best of my ability, I'm gonna live under your desires your precepts. And then Paul says, because when you do that right there, that is true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. In other words, I'm, not, I'm gonna be holy. I'm gonna be sanctified, separate. I'm not gonna have anything to do with, with ungodliness. So do not conform any to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All of that, and then we come to this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, first and foremost, 
We must be all about his known will clearly stated and expressed in the Bible. And if we are, then I have all the confidence in the world and from my own experience, and many of you can back me up on this that you've experienced as well, then from that de- the position of devotion to God, he will certainly make clear the directions in life they're supposed to take. You know, I, I've thought through quite a bit in my own life about how to discern God's will, and I come down to these four simple things. I want to share them with you. They are not mind blowers by any means, and when I share them with you, you're going to go, that makes sense, but when you put them in this context, you're like, uh-huh, that's right. How do you discern God's will? Well, here's part of the process. God's word, number one, helps us to discern his will. God's word helps us discern God's will. I'll show you how. Psalms chapter 119, 105 is one of those places. What does it say? Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. What a wonderful visual that is. God's word lights the way. Have you ever been on the trails after dark and like where I can't see where the trail, I can't see where to go. And then, oh, I got a flashlight, boom. And all of a sudden you can see. It lights your way. The word of God acts that way. That when we're in God's word, it's like our path becomes illuminated and you can see where to step and where not to step. The word of God helps us to step correctly and avoid the pitfalls in life. The word helps us do these things. I had a preacher say to me one time, um, um, I can't point to an exact verse to back this up, but I sense it in my spirit to be true. He said, Joe, he said, when your Bible is open, when the word of God is open, God speaks to you. And when the word of God is closed, God's still speaking. You just can't hear him very well. And I'm like, I, that makes sense. God's word helps us discern God's specific will as we go through life. What else? Well, number two, in prayer, go ahead and just ask God for wisdom. Ask God for this kind of wisdom. Get on your knees and ask God for help and wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, in other words, I don't know what to do. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Do you remember Solomon in the Old Testament? Remember God said, Solomon, whatever you ask me for, I'll give it to you. Man, wouldn't you like to have that one wish, that one prayer? And Solomon thought about it, and what did he ask for? Do you remember? I want wisdom. God was so impressed with his request for wisdom that God made him the wisest man on earth, and he gave him all the stuff he didn't ask for. Wisdom. So God's word helps us to discern his will in prayer, ask God for wisdom. What else? Number three, we need to seek out and listen to the advice of godly people. Again, friends, this is the church. We're the body of Christ. We interact together and we pull one another in to walk through these difficult decisions together. Who are the most godly people you have in your life? Pull them in. Help me walk through this. Wrestle this down with me. And if they truly are a godly person, they'll gladly do it because they know they're part of God's process here. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So God's word helps us discern his will. In prayer, ask God for wisdom. 
Seek out the godliest people you know and bring them in to the decision-making process. Get their input. Study the Word of God with them. Finally, number four, pay really close attention to that which brings you peace. What brings peace to your spirit? There comes a point when the peace of God starts to clarify direction and calm your nerves. I believe it's what Paul's talking about in Philippians 4, 6 when he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when I'm faced with, with one of these decisions that is deemed much larger than chopped nuts on a hot fudge Sunday. When I'm facing one of these, I will, I will pray and I will search the scriptures and I will try to read passages of scripture that have some kind of relatability to what I might be going through. I absorb it, I just listen. I have some very dear trusted friends of mine and I'm grateful, I have some spiritual giants in my life that I thank God for. I have family who love Jesus. There's this circle that I have that God's put in my life that I invite in on really weighty things. I, I, this is gonna shock you. I've even fasted for several days before trying to discern what it is that God wants me to do. And all the while, I, 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 what I'm seeking is that thing in my, I, I can't describe it, but that thing that brings me peace. That, that's what I'm seeking after, the peace, the peace of God. So after seeking the Lord in prayer, examining his word, seeking wise counsel, after all of that and the appropriate amount of time that I call that God is wrestling me down with something, if through all of that, if I don't have what I would just describe as the peace of God that comes over me about something, then these are my conclusions. Either it's not God's will and I shouldn't do it, or it's not God's timing. And I might be in front of God a little bit. If I don't get to that level of peace, then I've just learned through experience, just don't do it. Have you ever done something where in your heart you didn't have the peace about it, and then later you're like, I shouldn't have done that. I think there's more to that peace of God thing than what we care to acknowledge. I'm just gonna be honest with you. There are times I want the burning bushes. And I want the wet and dry fleeces. And there are times I would love to have the big cloud arrows in the sky. I desire that. I think we all do. But then I come back to reality. And I know that the Bible has already clearly stated for me what God's will is. And there is no stone left to unturn as to what God wants from my life and what God wants from your life. Are we already following that? Because following what we already know to be his will is the pathway to the finer nuances of his desires on our everyday decisions, the ups and downs, the majors and the minors of everything that we go through in this lifetime. So I'm gonna encourage you to go back and examine some of the scriptures that we have, have studied today and looked at. And we just really flown past, really. 
And ask yourself this question. God, am I already living a holy, sanctified life, surrendered to your will? Am I already living this way? Is there sin in my life that I'm allowing to hang around? Is there a relationship that is broken that I need to work on and address? Am I living at peace with everybody? Am I in fellowship with the body of Christ? Am I already living according to God's will? And if you're not, that's where you start. That's where it begins. When we're walking in step with God, then when we approach the other decisions in life, I believe it's in that posture, in that position, that we are more ready to receive that peace of God that transcends all understanding, that lets us understand, yeah, I either quit this job or I take a new one. We move here, we go there. Do we buy this or not buy this? I believe it starts here and it gets played out over here. And I hope that helps you today. And I think this is a great way to end this series because I know many of you right now are staring down the gauntlet of some major decisions. And you're asking the question, God, what do you want me to do? Starts here, proceeds to this direction. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it continues to guide and teach. And Lord, what's on my heart right now to pray for is just a prayer of thanksgiving that uh, you did not die on the cross for people who always made the right decisions in life. And we're grateful for that. And Lord, you didn't go to the cross to save perfect people. No, you, you went to the cross to save people who, who have sinned, who have operated under their own will, who have made life decisions that didn't work out the right way and living in the consequences of such decisions. Lord, that, that's who you died for. And Lord, I'm thankful that your grace is big and that your, that your forgiveness is there. Lord, uh, you didn't die for perfection. You died to save people who've messed up but found new life in you. So Lord, we offer you praise for that. Lord, I pray for those among our church family who are staring down some big decisions. And Lord, I pray you help them. Lord, I pray you give them that peace in their heart to know what they're supposed to do. Lord, I, I pray you help them go to your word, get down on their knees, bring in godly counsel, Lord, and guide them towards your specific will in whatever they're facing. Lord, this is my prayer for each of them. Lord, all in all, we give you thanks today because you walk through us, through the right decisions and the wrong decisions. You're there with us, Lord. You never leave us or forsake us, and you're still gonna be there. And we give you thanks, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.